Welcome to the Not Your Average My podcast, where four Hmong American women working to move our community forward one conversation at a time. So tune in every month with Liz, Mania, Monica, and Katie as we dive into politics, pop culture, and all things related to being Hmong American. Let's get it! Hey folks, welcome back to our next episode this month. We are taking the time to celebrate Women's History Month because it's March. And obviously, as you're not your average mice, um, we want to celebrate all the Hmong women and girls in our lives, all the folks who've Ooh. helped us get, you know, us get us to where we are today and really just take the time to share our experiences about mentors, sponsors, you know, our, our professional networks and how that has really helped us, um, you know, excel uh, in life in both, you know, personal and professional lives. And yeah, we just want to talk about womanhood and what it what it what it means to be among American women. So hopefully folks will tune in and everyone's excited because I'm excited. Want to talk about our, you know, not your average heroes. So maybe we can yeah. dive in right away, you know. Um, I, I My first topic or idea that came to mind when I wanted to tackle this uh, topic was really learning about what has helped you all become the woman you are today or what was like a really formative moment in your life that contributed towards your becoming a woman. Was it, was it a book you read? Was it a really special teacher that had a really big impact on you? Or maybe it's a job that you really are like passionate about and you know is really fulfilling it's kind of hard because I want to say um you can have multiple moments right that um help kind of make up each part of you because Mm -hmm. all of us are kind of complicated and we you know have different sides and angles to us right because when I thought about this there's a very there are a couple of traumatic experiences where I was like, okay, like, this is what it means to be a Hmong woman. And then I also thought about like, being the person I am today, and not just being a woman, but being me, like, you know, Lizzie and Koshiba, like what what that means to me, you know, so so there's a lot of stuff, right? I remember like, when I got my period for the first time, my mom's like, you know what this means, right? You know, you can get pregnant. So you better not do anything because your dad will kill both of us. Mm. I was like, oh my god, clearly he's not gonna do that. But mm-hmm. like, I was like, oh, like, I guess this is what what happens, right? But some other girls have, like, you know, becoming women ceremonies and stuff like that. And, like, they talk with their moms, apparently, about periods. You know, like, it's just different. Um, Can I ask you a question? How did you respond when your mom said that to you? I was just like, okay. But I was so sad. So is that, like, one of the traumatic experiences you're referencing? Yes, because I was like, oh, is that it? I was so sad. And obviously, like... I knew and I had like known about sex and stuff, but I was like, <laughs> I expected more. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And and like, I mean, you know, no, no hard feelings, but I was just like, oh, like Linda Sue, like mm. I just I just like wish that my mommy had been a little more soft and caring. Mm-hmm. I mean, but clearly like she loved me a lot. You know, cause so like the second traumatic experience is when my one of the cousins, the the girl cousins that like raised me as a kid, right? Like our cousin I mean, all this we probably like raised ourselves right mm-hmm. and each other like growing up right that's why like we're so close like Katie raised us and you know our our other cousins raised us and then when when one of them like eloped but it was like a really weird elopement where I was like do you know what you're doing and you know all that stuff and they're like well you know like she left so she, you know she left the house so she's 
she's married now. And like, I cried so much that night. And my mom's like, you know, I love you so much. If this were to happen to you, I will come back and get you. But you know how your uncle is. And this is just what happens. Uh-huh. Like, and I'm just like, oh my wow. God, like, I hate being a mom woman. Mm-hmm. I mean, but my mom clearly like loved me. She's just like, well, you know, you know that you're, you know, your dad and I are different, but like, you know, uncle and them aren't like that. So um, that's it. And I was like, like, so sad, like, so devastated. What did you learn about yourself as a mom woman through these two kind of traumatic experiences? You're such a good... <laughs> I'm, like, trying to get into yeah, no, yeah, yeah. into this. No, no, you're such no, a... I love, yeah, I love the stories that you're sharing. Like, I think these are such important stories. So, and I'm pretty sure our listeners out there might have experienced similar messages, right? Yeah. Or received similar messages from... The, you know, the loved ones in their lives too, so. No, no, that's fair. I think for me, right, everyone kind of like learns what they want out of it. And and so for me, it was just always a very, I mean, this is partially probably why I didn't really want to date Hmong guys and was <laughs> never attracted to Hmong guys. Because we you were know, so because, fearful right, of what like, would happen. Yeah, it's fearful, but also like, you know, the baggage that comes with it, mm-hmm. right? And and like, I obviously like, I've grown a lot where I'm like, okay, like, be, be like, you know, be the lala, like we can, we can do whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it won't be the same, right? Because we've moved away from home. Like, I could date a Hmong guy and it'd probably be fine. But, like, it really made me, like, also, like, wonder, oh, okay, like, is this the life that I want to lead? You know, I don't think I want to get married like this. Mm-hmm. And I was also, like, I don't think I ever want to get married if, like, this is what getting married is like. So, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Liz, I wanted to um, uh, go back to what you talked about when you were mm-hmm. talking about your traumatic experiences. And I think that sally sometimes these traumatic experiences kind of define how you want to live your life oh, oh yeah. like unfortunately totally. oh yeah right totally. yeah um and i think for me you know like i kind of shared this in past episodes before but growing up as mongrel we all know how difficult mm-hmm. that is and i was really fortunate that i was a part of youth development programs early on in my life like starting mm-hmm. at ages 12 um 13 being in mom woman circle which was created to provide mom girls and women a space to really understand their identities and also really define the lives that they want to lead other other than what we kind of knew growing up right and like we saw a lot mm-hmm. of mom girls getting married really early on having kids at a really young age and seeing the continuing cycle of poverty within our family so I think for me I don't feel like there was like a defining moment it's really the defining years <laughs> like the mm-hmm. early years of my life where I was like oh like I understood myself as a mom girl mm-hmm. um at ages 12 and 13 and what I wanted in my life like I didn't mm-hmm. want to get married I, I wanted to go to college I knew that there was so much more in life than what our parents have taught us and when I think about like the Hmong women mentors that I had growing up, like it was, you know, the the ladies, the Hmong ladies who led the Hmong women circle program for all of the youth in Sacramento. And I don't think that without them, I would be where I am today because mm-hmm. they went to college and they came back to really support the youth in the community. Um, Actually, I can connect to that because I was in a Hmong women circle here in St. Paul. Oh, you were? So awesome. like, you know, we had it as part of like... Um, <laughs> Like the school day, actually, like several of us got to go in and we had the Hmong circles, the Hmong woman circle 
So, so actually, that's our connection. And um, I actually did a lot of other youth programs too that I think that kind of helped mentor me. And um, I did some like um, like sex education um, youth group mentors too in the in the cities here, as like a freshman and um, younger grades that were like out of school programs. And then I think it's also like I also connect with Liz where it's sort of like the things that you saw that you didn't want and like from, you know, your elder sister, mm-hmm. elder cousins and stuff that that also kind of like mm-hmm. moved me to who I became It's like, oh, I definitely don't want that. I don't want that, you know, because like I have an older sister and we have like we span like 10 years apart. But like when I was in kindergarten starting first grade, she went off and got married and she didn't want to. It wasn't like a. Oh, I want to go get married because she was still in high school too. And you know, like those are things that I saw that I didn't want, or she would talk to me about it. She's like, don't do this. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll make sure you do all that you want and like, just go and explore that, you know, like who cares what happens? Cause you don't want to be stuck like this or you don't want to, you know, be in this kind of situation where you don't. So I've always just sort of did what I want, you know, it's like whether my parents were like supportive or not. I'm just like, I'll just deal with the consequences later. And I never, and I never did anything like horrible or bad or anything like that. But like, it feels like after school stuff I want to stay for, I did it, you know, like there was things like that. I just went ahead and got it. And I'm just like, I'm just going to do what I want best for me, you know? I know. I feel like if I and my if my sisters and I were not no. rebels, we would right. not yeah. be where we are today. Like we yeah. had to be rebels. We had to rebel yes. against our parents and what they wanted for us. And it's sort you of know? sad. So. It's just not, not. It's not even like being rebel to do like bad things. It's like being rebel to be like, hey, I want to yeah. stay for like Asian club. <laughs> hey, I want to play sports. You know, like things like yeah. that. Like, yes. Yeah. yeah. No, I completely agree. Like, I, and you know, when I think about role models, I'm like, my older sisters were my role models too, because, you know, mm-hmm. we play soccer for school and the mom soccer yeah, tournaments, right? Know. But Just every time my parents, well like, we would always fight. <laughs> <laughs> We would always have to fight, not right. physically fight, but like argue, fight, argue yeah. with our parents so that they can take us to practice. Yeah. And we like, it would get to the point where, where we cry because they won't mm-hmm. take us, right? And yeah you're like rebelling against them but it's also stuff that was was good right. for you and that would help you right. you know uh develop as as people but then also as student athletes and everything right so i i feel like you know i really connect with like the sports thing because oh, that's what yeah. that's what happened before we even got to go play soccer like we, <laughs> we would argue yeah. and cry until we got to go yeah no i totally hear that i mean oh, sorry go ahead liz it's okay i was just gonna say i think like the sports thing for sure is like was like the really big like formative part of my like adolescent years right and it was always like a battle with you know like my mom and dad even though they were like really supportive and they always signed us up for like summer camps and mm-hmm. wanted us to be part of it but it, it definitely took a while to get to that point and I re- like distinctly remember when we were younger there was this Hmong McDonough Sheriff sponsored program that basically provided transportation and a literacy program as part of their summer um, athletics program. And so I, after a couple of years of playing softball with Mika team, I just, I went and played with the Hmong team because, you know, they were actually good and they provided transportation, right? But even when they provided transportation and my parents were too busy to take us, like they still had problems with us going because it was unsafe or, right like right your struggle your struggle is different from my yes because my yes parents like like didn't want her to go I'm just saying like no, your parents would have been like sure but, whatever we'll drop you off like 
But you know no, what I'm saying? I still you feel that way? Let's hear from Monica. Monica, do you hear Do you feel no, that I way did. from what Liz Because you have so many opportunities. Okay, Monica, we just want to put that out there. My parents definitely signed us up for softball, volleyball, whatever. But I'm saying it took still a long time to get up there. And I know they signed us up for t-ball and whatnot. But if I had told them that I wanted to go to, you know, this Hmong softball program, Yes, mom would take us, but still, it was after fighting, you know, tooth and nail with her because it was associated with that people with the, yeah, that program, right? That they didn't yeah, want to see of it. My mom was just like, "You guys are just playing, like, you know, it's nothing serious." But, but it was right. Like, well, I mean, she obviously, was, she I would know. take us after we fought with her, but I like, mean, it is. But no, no, I hear you. No, I, 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 it, I think, it's not the same, but it's I, just. I, like, I, yeah. No, no, I think it's so similar though. No, when you're talking about that, it's so similar because I think that our parents, they back yeah. then they still have so much to learn about the the what the resources are to support their kids' growth, right? Like mm-hmm. they probably had this vision that, oh, right. it's only academic yeah. and not sports. Like that was also yeah. how my parents were. When we went to play soccer, yes, it's exactly. like, why would you go more shisu? Like, why would you waste your time doing that? So it's it's that thing too. And then it's also the gender mm-hmm. thing, right? I remember my parents would say very sexist sexist things to us um at these small soccer tournaments right mm-hmm. they were like oh why would you are you not thinking about what these mm-hmm. men will say about you playing on the field mm-hmm. like your vaginas are just open like you know like they would just make these really really yes. bad remarks about us and our bodies because they they were so afraid that mm-hmm. these people will view us or judge us in that way right so I feel like gender is also a part of it and we and we can't deny that right like being small women who were interested in sports you really have to fight your parents to allow you to excel in that if you were talented in that so I I I feel like this the experiences are similar in that way as well so yeah totally I mean I don't know Monica if Monica remembers this but I cried because my mom let my brother play soccer but not me Mm -hmm. because she said that I could get an injury and I wouldn't be able to have kids Mm mm-hmm her biggest worry has always been that I will not bear her grandchildren. Yeah. So she's like, no, you can't play soccer. Only the boys can. Yeah. I mean, so there's there's like always that. But they were, for whatever reason, they were fine with softball because they were like, softball is different. Like, you're not kicking a ball and it's not going to hit you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever logic there is. But I will say, um, just to close out, you know, the piece about the Hmong softball team, um, I think – I mean, for Monica, even for myself, right, it was a very good feeling to be proud of being, like, part of an all-mung team, right? Mm-hmm. And Monica has grown a lot. Um, I hope you're okay with me sharing this, Monica, because I don't know if you remember this, but when she was little, like, I don't know what we were talking about at home, but she she was all of a sudden just like, oh, well, don't all Hmong people just grow up to be gangsters or something? Like, she said that once, and my mom was like, oh, no, honey, like, your I do dad not is Hmong, this. and he's not a gangster, like... It was. <laughs> I must have been a child. See, that's what I'm saying. People, my cousin was like, "Yeah, no, yeah, you're like six or something." And and I was like, "Oh no, Monica, that's so like." Sad. I think I was in like middle school or something. No, but it was just because Monica was so innocent, right? And that like all of like the brothers and like all the people that we you know saw around us were like, you know, not everyone was like successful, right? And like my dad was like the first to get a master's in our family. And he's like very different Mm -hmm. from all the other people like his age. Right. And so it was so, and it was just so telling like what little kids observe. And mom was like, Oh my gosh, no, like you, you should be proud of being Hmong. Right. Cause it was, it was something like 
basically Monica was like implying that like Hmong people were like just poor and bad, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I mean, I don't I don't know if Monica wants to elaborate more on like how this you know helped your you grow into being pr- like proud of being Hmong, but like I think like all of these things. That's were really interesting because I never I do not remember that, but. I talked about this on a different interview once and I don't know, I was always proud to be Hmong. Like I think just growing up with the knit tight community in St. Paul with our families and just having a bunch of Hmong friends, like I was never like not proud to be Hmong. Um, I think there were moments when I was, when I was like ashamed, right. Whether that was like not having enough money for some things or yeah, always seeing like the Hmong gangsters or that's how we were always painted. Um, like I think I've definitely grown a lot from that and this program was a, like a, a big part of that but also I think just growing up and learning that like yeah Hmong people are are more than the stereotypical you know bad people or or the stereotypical poor people right mm-hmm. um but thanks Liz for sharing like I to me I never some of my most vivid memories of you because both mom and I were like horrified. We were like, oh no. You know, from, for as long as I can remember, I was always proud to be Hmong, you know? And I think that was something that I always like projected onto people or, or as like something that was my identity. Like I was always first and foremost Hmong. Then I would say, oh yeah, I'm a Hmong American woman. Like that that's like who I am, you know, innately at, at my core. Yeah, I mean, I think I think kids, like you mentioned, they pick up a lot of these things, but it's also their surroundings as well, right? Like for me, like we need more youth development I programs. Agree. Like we I need to provide these kids and these youth the space to like really define what their lives can be like for themselves, despite where they grew up, th- despite their zip codes, despite how their families raised them, right? So, yeah. so that's what? where I'm coming from in terms of youth programs. Kind of cut you off. I agree with that. I mean, like, um, before, like, joining, like, when we talked about Hmong Woman Circle, I mean, I didn't know any Hmong woman who actually went to college and graduated and came back and did something, you know? And so I thought that was awesome to see that, that I'm like, oh, I could be that. I could do that, you know? So I agree with that. Mm -hmm. It's that we just need to get more involved in. And that also made me reflect, too, when we brought that up. I'm like, why am I not doing something like that now? You know, it's like when we first brought that up. Well, you've I, well, I, three know, like, well, I think you are, right? I think yeah, but then, like, you know, it would be nice to do that again, wouldn't it, Manya? Yeah, we'll just team up yeah. and have a Hmong woman. Like, you know, yeah, like, let's do like, it. You know, like, to go back and, like, give back to, like, what made us, like, like, I honestly, like, forgot that part of my life, you know? Like, like you move on from that and, like, you get so busy and you get so, um, you know, into to what you're doing that you don't, like it's hard to reflect back on, but like, well, yeah, what really brought you there? And like having this conversation today, you know, like maybe really reflect and be like, Hey, you know, I mean, like once I get my shit together, I need to, you know, give back because there's still other girls out there who are still mm-hmm. curious or wondering what they are. And like what Monica said, it's not like, it's not like we're, we've not been pr- proud of being home, but there, I, I, I believe there's moments where we were like, what yeah. is being home? You know, like, what is that when people ask? it's like yeah. Well, yeah I'm proud of it but when you're gonna ask me how to define how to define it or define myself I don't know because I don't know what it is or who I am you know and I'm still trying to like figure that out balancing both sides of my world you know so that program kind of really brought it together yeah and, and I think just you know looking mm-hmm. at today how many resources and programs that are available like I 
you know, I think I there's I still have a bias, and sometimes I think, oh, like these Vinyao programs or these like Hmong Women Today programs probably aren't that great, but I feel like that's a lot of my bias that you mm-hmm. know comes up. That well, why did you why did you feel that way? I don't know. I think maybe because maybe there there is still that little part of like. Are, are will Hmong people ever like be good enough? You know, but I, but then on the flip side, like I always have to remind myself, like I think Hmong people should be, like I should be proud of you know Hmong women today doing these programs. Um, like I shouldn't scrutinize it as much, or I shouldn't like project my my privileges on it. And I think it was a lot of me just projecting my privilege, like oh I I like could do such a better program, right? But then on the flip side, I feel like these are the only programs available and these people are doing their best. Right. right. I don't know if that makes sense, but like whenever I would see these programs prop up, my first instinct wouldn't be, wow, how cool it would always be. Oh, is it, are they actually legit though? Is right. it actually a good program? Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like that's something else to unpack for sure. But like, I do, I, I just want to take the time right now to step back and say, I, I am like, so amazed at how all these programs have like sprouted up from nothing mm-hmm. right from other Hmong women like us who wanted to create space and create these programs for other Hmong girls I I think for me um it's more of like when are we gonna move beyond just like the culture right. and the identity so when I see these yeah. programs I think that's that's where my constructive feedback is coming from right like okay we can always focus on culture and developing people's identities or helping support them develop their their own identities but there needs to be more than that and I think for mom women circle it, it provided mm-hmm. that space at such a mm-hmm. young age for me and other mom women to develop our identities right but once you graduate from that program or you're done with that program there's more right like how do you engage your community how do you become um like like what do you do after right, right? I think for me like it's always about the action and you can't just keep talking in circles about identities culture so I, I would just say like that's um, that's my kind of like feedback about um, about like these types of programs because there needs to be more where people can actually take action to to make changes that they want to see. Yeah, I yeah I think. Go ahead, Liz. Go ahead, Monica. I I was just gonna say I mean I totally agree, um, but I think over time I've also realized that like some of these folks just always still need a starting point though you know and I think that's what these programs are important for because a lot of Hmong girls, I, I think, don't didn't have the same opportunities or don't have the same access or exposure, mm-hmm. right? So they they still need this initial touch point, and I think that's why programs like Hmong Women Today or other programs are really good for that purpose, right? To to just start the conversation about what it means to be Hmong or to be a Hmong woman. But I do agree, like I, I think over time, hopefully these young girls and women will get to that point where they can talk about, you know, beyond what it means to be among women. And, and, and Yeah, I think what Mania is saying is like their curriculum has to have a path, right? Like to other things. Because I do think that, Monica, like you're so absolutely right, where like you have to have like a common ground or like mm-hmm. a starting point, right? Like, and it also has to be a program that like your Hmong parents will accept, right? Because for me, it's just unthinkable. Like I had a friend apparently older or older friend because I was always friends with the older people um, who got into Stanford. She was this Hmong girl. She's a really good Hmong girl. She's Alice, but she didn't go because her parents didn't want her going off to college mm-hmm. out of state well, and crazy. Like, wanted her to like live at home. So, right. Unthinkable. Right. But, you know, like you wonder like, oh, what if they 
there was like a trusted Hmong person, older person who talked to her or to her parents, you know, like just bridging that gap. Mm-hmm. So this was, I think that the culture is, is like kind of the bridging gap, but there has to be, you know, a, an end point in the curriculum. Man, you know, Liz, you brought up a really good point because I think that, um, with that example, like sometimes I, I struggle with it because it's like, when do you make decisions for yourself? And when mm. do you keep living up to your parents' expectations of how you should live your life, right? And that's not for me to decide. It's for that person to, to decide. But when I think about it, it's like, man, you know, I, I don't want to reflect on my life later on and be like, oh, that wasn't the legacy that I wanted to leave behind. Or, you know, I, I regret that decision because it wasn't the decision that I made for myself. It was the decision that somebody else made for me. So when I think about mom women, I'm like, man, I just hope that, you know, when when you are much older and you reflect on your life, that you were able to live the life that you wanted and make the decisions that you wanted, even though your parents were not happy yeah. with it or <laughs> they didn't support that. Right. And that happened to, um, you know, one of my um, breakthrough students. I was a teacher in Breakthrough Sacramento and that happened to one of my students. Mm-hmm. And. Like, it breaks my heart, right? Like, a student I got into Berkeley didn't go because the parents didn't want her to go. And I'm like, well, at the end of the day, that choice is yours. It's not mine. But, of course, I want more for you. Mm. But I also have to accept that that's your decision and you're going to live with it. Um, So it's really tough. I I struggle with it. I mean, that is tough, right? Like, how how do we empower young Hmong girls – or in general, girls and women to make those decisions, right? When it does come to it, or how do we empower our parents to allow us that opportunity, right? To, to allow us to make those decisions and to not make the decisions for us. Um, but I, but I guess maybe that brings me us to our next point, right? Like how can we continue to uplift Hmong women and girls, right? What are the, are like, these are the barriers, right? That we have to keep fighting it. So how, how, how do you, how do we do that? Um, or I don't know, how do you guys do that? Um, I guess I can take a stab at this first. <laughs> but um, like for me, I know that like just informing our parents when they come in with misinformation, like, you know, like the other day my mom mm-hmm. called me about like this, like this coronavirus myth and how to fix yourself. And, stuff. <laughs> and I'm just like, it was at the yeah, egg. It was the egg <laughs> thing. And I'm like, you know, like, I'm like, Oh and like you know, like you know, like and, and like I wasn't like judgmental toward my mom, you know, because I know that like she doesn't know whatever, and like that's something that we also got to check ourselves too. We can't go in like overbearing and be like, oh, I know all of this and you know nothing, you know. And, like I just had like you know, like I just I normally have like really chill conversations with my mom, you know, and I just treat her like a normal person, you know. I don't go in and I'm just like, hey, mom. Yeah, it sounds a little crazy, mom, you know, like, you know, I'm just like, hey, mom, it sounds a little crazy. But I think if that was to work, you know, I mean, I think there would be less illness out there. And, you know, I just sort of like we sort of like fact check together, you know, like we went over the steps and made sure that she understand that it doesn't work, you know, like not so much like, oh, yeah, you're so wrong. That's so dumb or something like that, you know. And that's just like the first step is to inform them of misinformation. Don't let them thinking that it's right when it's wrong, you know, and like, you know, you can do it gently. You can do it correctly. And my dad chimed in in the back. Around. He was all like, you know, he must just eat two spoonful of shit, you know. I was like, well, yeah, like, yeah, he was crazy, you know. But like, like I, under- like he understood it, you know. Like, 
<laughs> like see that's crazy you know like he, he understood that and like you know like i'm like hey mom you know dad's not that like he's not wrong on this you know i mean like he communicated it wrong but you know he's not wrong on that you know and i'm just like you know like that's the best thing you can do it's like hey mom it's just like any other thing it's like the flu you know make sure you're washing your hands make sure you know you take the same precautionary as you would with any other illness and that's what it is it's an illness it's a you know it's contagious and people can get it you know like that's how that i feel like that's the first step is to inform them and if they take it they take it if they don't they don't but what you can do as a person you know like me being my own parent now and having kids of my own i'm just like hey i'm gonna take what i didn't like and do you know what i wanted to do with them and like give them the opportunity that i didn't have and that's something that you can change you know and that's the future that you're building for your family and for like the whole collective community you know it's like make those changes that you wanted make them now Mm -hmm. amen that's really key, dang! You're so patient, Katie. I would, I, I would have been like, "What the f are you talking?" Because like, none of my parents are so old too. Like, I really like. I know like, I always joke around, but I go in and I really do just like. Not that I treat them like a child, but I do give them that patience like a child. Though you know, like you know, I'm just like, hey, you know, it's like yeah. they're so old now and they just want to talk and they just need that like check in and stuff. So whenever they call or like whenever my dad's telling me the same story for like a hundred times, I just sit there and I nod my head and I'm just like listen you know because i'm like he just wants to talk and stuff and you know i get mad like my brothers and them they're like oh dad that's so boring you already told us a hundred times just like you know just enjoy it because you know i mean like that's like you know i get scared you know because i'm just like i don't know how much longer i have left with them so i just need to give them like that attention that they need and that they just want to talk and just let them talk you know or like just like with my kids you know i'm like they can tell me some crazy story i'm just like okay all right <laughs> okay you know that's all you need to do and they're your parents you know i mean they have they are only saying what they want to say because they feel that that's best or that's their thinking and we need to expand that they're never too old to learn something new too i think we can all agree with that for sure especially the education part and just really providing yeah for i I think on the flip side for the youth right and for young Hmong girls and women like just providing the opportunities like like what you said minya creating more programs creating bridging those gaps like Mm -hmm. being that trusted Hmong advisor in person you know and i think that's something that i really appreciated with my parents and like with other Hmong, you know leaders or were able to speak english and understand the system and like were able to navigate that like our parents were the trusted people that helped either convince other Hmong parents or helped other Hmong parents understand why these programs are important right Mm -hmm. or why school is important and so i think just being able to replicate that right and Mm -hmm. create more you know, trusted individuals that Hmong parents or other folks can rely on is really important. People would seek out my parents' like opinions on things too. When they're like, mm-hmm. oh, like so-and-so got into this program. Do you think it's okay? Is it safe? You know, like to let them do this. My mom like found this program for my cousin um, and convinced her parents to let her go. Like, and my dad was scared. My dad was like, you know, like you'd be like reliable if anything happens to them. And I was like, it's fine. It's just mm-hmm. like, you know, a kid's program. Right. But I think sometimes, though, there are other people who don't know better and they're just like, oh, like, I don't know, like about this, like, um, I mean, someone, you know, which is why, like, you know, these girls still like have such hurdles to overcome. Right. So it's hard. But like, I guess then the other question is like, how do we, how do we hold our elders accountable? I mean, but this is the opposite of, also what I was going to say to be like, we should also listen to our elders because mm. 
my mom has said so many things to me <laughs> where she's like, Liz, one day you'll learn. Like, you know, I just am looking out for the best for you and you'll know I was right. Do you, <laughs> you feel know? that's true? Um, yes, definitely. Like maybe 75% of the time. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Um, you know, like my mom would like yell at me for like all of these things. And like, now that I'm like 30 some years old, I'm like, oh, like my mom was right. She definitely wasn't wrong. Right. Like, as like what? <laughs> yeah. Um, because I'm the opposite. I'm like, no, don't listen yeah, to your elders. Don't listen to your elders. Don't listen to your parents. Listen to yourself because you know what's best for yourself. But that's me. So I'm just kind of curious. Like yeah. what lessons learned do you feel like were true from your mom? Uh, I mean, I, I'm trying to think because there were like distinct instances in the last couple of years where I was like, oh, shit, my mom was right. Um, <laughs> Are these pertaining to your like accidents and like you not taking what? care of yourself or? No, no. Oh, my gosh. You guys are insane. No, it's more like just things like, I mean, I, I, do, I do things like, okay, before I leave for like a big trip, right? Like I always like do my dishes, I take out the trash, and I make sure that like, you know, everything's gone. So then when I come back, like the trash doesn't smell and like, mm-hmm. I come back to a clean house, right? Like I do that all the time. Or like, you know, like she used to yell me be like, oh, like you should like keep your house clean all the time. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, like the boys won't like you, you know, like no one wants to like marry someone who's like, messy. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my mom was right. So I'd be like, oh, mom, whatever. Like they'll know I'm messy. Okay, so I think that's different. I thought you were going to talk about like, you know, things that pertain to your success. Oh, yes. sorry. That's, that's what I was thinking about. Oh, okay. well, <laughs> yes, I was waiting for that example. Oh, like, you know, like really your funny. career path or professional success. Sorry, that's what I was thinking. Okay, so with that, I will say my parents were definitely unequipped. And I say this because I also realized that because my parents were refugee kids, like there were a lot of things that they didn't teach me. Mm-hmm. Like, I went to a salary negotiation class, I think last year, no, two years ago. And I like, I don't know, had an awakening where I was like, shit, like when they ask you what your salary requirements are, like they are really asking you your salary requirements, right? And it's not that you want a job and you see the salary and you live and that means it's that you get to decide like the what quality of life that you want to yeah exactly what's your work the quality of life that you want mm-hmm. right and then like those are your salary requirements right mm-hmm. like if you want to live in dc and have a nice place right what that means times three and you know all of that right you know what i mean like i i learned i've been doing it backwards because my dad could never help me with that mm-hmm. right you know like my mom could never help me with that mm-hmm. my parents just like would never be able to do that mm-hmm. even though like they both work white collar jobs, right? Like they, they just, they don't have the, the, um, social, um, the cultural competence of like navigating white America. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Thank you, Monica. Yes, exactly. Right. But I do think that there are like lessons to draw from, you know, even the elders, right. Cause I mean, I was thinking about this when Monica was like, Oh, find your favorite role model, you know? And, and I was thinking about my great grandma who, who was like crazy. Like she was a single mom for most of her life, but she was a shaman. So mm-hmm. she was able to like, you know, have people pay her when morning not. And so like she raised her kids on her own and even took in orphans from the war. Mm-hmm. Right. And she also like, I think sold things and ran a store, but like, I mean, for me, I mean, I still draw things from like her life stories. Right. 
you know, we're not, I want just want to make sure people know, like, we're not trying to bash, like, not listening oh, to no, your parents, I, right? I, like, I can chime in. I believe that they do have good and sound advice, but you got to filter that shit. Yeah. Like, one thing that the mom told me that like really hit home and like you know she was right and I knew she was right too was that like you know me and my husband we did get married young and that was a choice that we both made freely and she was like hey you know um don't don't listen to no one else but I want to let you know that you should not have kids right away and I you know and I was like I was really stunned by what she said, you know, and I was just like, oh, I didn't expect you to say that, you know, but then like, it was also, and then she also goes, but on the other hand, don't wait forever to have them too. You know, she was like, um, you know, if you're going to wait to have enough money, you'll never have enough. If you're going to wait to have like the perfect job, you'll never have the perfect job. And like, you know, like at first, cause I'm like, mom, I'm not going to have kids because I want to have a money. I want to have a house. I want to have all of that. But you know what? It never happened the way I wanted to. And then I did regret. And I mean, like when you do become a parent, like your one regret is not having them sooner, you know? Cause it's like, man, like all this time that you could be spending with them, you know, it's sort of like, man, you know, mom was right. Right. You know, it's like as silly as that was, and that and that took, and when she gave me that advice, you know, I took it for nothing. You know, I'm just sort of like, okay, whatever, mom. I'm too young. I'm not gonna have kids yet. I'm on my damn birth control because you know I'm 18. I haven't even had a legal drink. You know, I'm not having kids. You know, like we want to be together, but we don't want to be parents yet. You know, mm-hmm. and and like after that, you know, like it like when I became a mom, like, you know, like, cause you know, cause then I got into my twenties they're like, are you going to have kids yet? You know, I'm like, no, I don't even have like a stable job. You know, like I move every three years, you know, like I can't have kids like this. And she's like, well, you know, you're never going to have enough money. You're always going to be broke, you know, but it's worth having kids. And she's right. You know, it was, so you just got to filter out some of those like silly stuff, like the whole egg thing and the Corona. Don't, don't, but everything else, filter it. <laughs> What about you, Monica? What's your take? <laughs> um, I think I know my parents are a lot smarter in, in many areas and other things, but I think I've always been the one to also like rebel and feel like I know more or I know better just because I, I did disagree with a lot of their like opinions on many things. And I, I but I also feel like my parents empowered me to disagree with them, you know, like even though they didn't, I don't think they consciously planned for that. Like, I think they gave us the opportunities and they gave us all the, you know, the privileges that they never had to think different from them. I don't like growing up for sure. I was always like, do what's right for you. Do what you think is right. Like your parents don't know shit, you know? Um, <laughs> okay, Monica, but, seriously? No, but let me finish. I think over time, as I grew up, like I went to college, you know, moved to DC, like, and just started appreciating my parents. There is a part of me that I, I do think that like, yeah, you know, your parents are just doing their best, right? They, they're doing the best of what they can. So you should listen to them with, with, you know, some scrutiny or with a grain of salt. And, but then, you know, I, I also have to realize, though, when I when I think about that stuff, I know not every child and not every person has great parents, right? Or has like these mm-hmm. really great role models or, or parents, like a support system, yeah, a good support yeah. system. So I don't want to go and project on everyone that you should listen to your parents. Your parents are your end all and everything, you know. And yeah. I think I just have to be as I grew up. I have to be. We have to be mindful of that, right? Because not everyone was given the same support system that we have, mm-hmm. and so I don't want to you know, tell everyone, yeah, your parents are, you know, the, the right 
people, like the people you should listen to. Because I do think, you know, as we are adults and as we grow up, we'll, we'll form our own opinions, right? We'll form our own biases and our own judgments and our own conclusions on things. And we should be able to have the freedom or the respect to mm-hmm. do whatever it is that we want to do while also, yes, acknowledging and providing the space for our parents to, you know, provide their opinions to us. But at the end of the day, like I've always been, you know, like you, Renya, just like, you know what's best for you. I don't know if that's because my opinions were rooted in like trying to, you know, work against the to uproot the patriarchy, patriarchy, or if that was just me rebelling because I wanted to do things that my parents didn't want me to do, or a combination of both. I don't know. But my parents, like, like Liz and us, we we shared like they've said some crazy shit to us that we're just like, nah, no, <laughs> yeah. no, 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 yes. Um, yes. And, and so like, yeah, what Katie said, yeah, you just gotta filter it out, and then other times. You know, I like, again, just maturing and realizing, you know, my parents are just doing their best with the capacity that they have. Mm-hmm. That, that means they had really limited exposure to things like I'm not I'm not going to fault them for that. Right. Or for giving me mm-hmm. the opinion mm-hmm. that they have, because that's all they know. All right. It was so funny. <laughs> I was telling my parents that I wanted to quit my job and move back and buy a different job. And they're like, why? But why would you quit your job? Yeah. And I'm like, because I don't yeah. want to work there anymore. I don't want. I don't. I don't want that job. But they're like, but why? Like they can't understand why. And I'm like, I want to make more money. But like, but but what's so wrong with your job? You know. And to them, yeah. it's like, but you got this job. Like you should just stay there forever. And it's so hard for them to understand. The generation want more, too, right? And the cultural thing because they don't understand that we live in an American society now can want more. But we can't. Yeah, and you, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and you can can pay more too, right? So they just kept asking why and why and why. And I'm like. Okay, you know, when I make more money, like, you'll understand why. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, right, but they also, like, don't have a concept of, like, what a career is, right? And, like, all of that. Or, like, Um, advancing in your career, you know? Like, for them, it's like, oh, you're a nurse or you're a doctor and you're just that forever, right? Um, I did want to just note that, yeah, like, we we are very family-heavy because all of us, like, have our parents still. But I just think that, I mean, you know, the – just the the generation before us, right? Like my my dad and mom, like there are a lot of people who were orphans because of like the war and and all of that, right? And so, you know, a lot of people had to find their own sponsors and their own mentors and people to raise them. So I don't know if you want to like move into just like Um, talking about maybe um, role models or folks that like, you know, people really looked up to. Um, do we so, want to define mentors versus sponsors mm-hmm. for, you know, maybe listeners who um, don't sure. know the difference? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, mentors, I think, can be anybody, like, in your personal life, um, at work, or whatnot. But uh, sponsors tend to be more people in your office that will help you with your professional development. Mm-hmm. They will, you know, look out for you, like, help you get promoted, you know, like, that, or, or like, help your career advance. I mean, a good example, I guess, what I would share is probably, like, my dad like all his brothers raised him because his dad was an opium addict and my grandma died. So that's like a good example of role models, mentors. Um, for me, I think personally, um, like my congressman, my former boss was like an amazing mentor and sponsor mm-hmm. um, who helped challenge me and give me like new tasks and duties. And also like really helped me become the person I am today, even though he's not a woman, but like he taught me that you know, it was, you know, okay to be poor and like, you know, something to be proud of, right? Nothing, it wasn't, wasn't something to be ashamed of. 
to be a poor person, mm-hmm. right? Because it's not your fault that you're poor. It's it's a capitalist economy that we live in <laughs> that like makes us poor. So he was definitely a sponsor and a mentor. And then Duel, well, we talked about Duel, who used to be executive director for um, the White House Initiative and APIs and run CRAC, definitely a mentor. Um, can't necessarily be sponsored because I never worked under her. Mm-hmm. So that would be the difference. Yeah, I think it's interesting because for me in high school, I feel like I have model women mentors. And then when I was in college, I like my mentors were really, you know, women of color. Mm-hmm. And then in the professional workspace, definitely like women, <laughs> like white women as well, mostly white women once I started mm-hmm. my career. And I just realized how important it is to seek mentorship outside of the Hmong community as well, right? To really advance in your career, to also really develop professionally, like you do need to build these relationships with with folks outside of the Hmong community. And that's not to say that like, you know, Hmong women are doing great things. I think it's just in, in the healthcare field, I needed my own support system especially if I couldn't find a mom woman mentor who is in the path that I that I'm going towards. And I wanted to bring this thing up about mentors and sponsors. I was listening to this podcast and these four black women were talking about how you can't like sometimes you can like abuse your sponsor, your relationship with your sponsor. Like you can't expect them to be mentors. Oh, oh. interesting. Right? Like you can't, like there there are going to be people who will solely be your sponsors. And then there are people who are willing to take you under their wings and mentor you. Oh, I see. But you can't expect every person that you look up to to be a mentor. They are just going to be a sponsor and you have to respect their relationship, right? They'll think of you when an opportunity comes up, but they're not going to be like, hey, like, you know, check in with you about how your life is going or Mm -hmm. check in with you to make sure that you are, I don't know, like you're psychologically safe at work or whatever, Mm -hmm. right? So I thought that was just really interesting. And I just kind of learned that last year in 2019. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah. right. No. And, and it was so true because, you know, when I started my graduate internship, like my preceptor, I, I wanted her to be a mentor and it wasn't necessarily that. And I kept questioning, like, what's wrong with me or am I not good enough in my job, mm-hmm. even though I was doing a good job. Right. But I think that I wanted that relationship to be a mentorship when it was really a sponsorship. Mm-hmm. So when a job mm-hmm. opened up or a position opened up, she actually told my, you know, my boss about, about, about me and that I should be considered for that role. So I s- later realized last year that like she really was just playing the role of a sponsor and I needed yeah. to recognize that. But at that time when I was an in- graduate intern, I didn't realize that because I was seeking mentorship. So I think for me, that's just something that, <laughs> that I, I that, that I learned last year in the workspace and that I, you know, still have a lot to learn in terms of um, professional growth. That's makes so much sense. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> Do you ladies want to share how, like, how you found your mentors or sponsors or like how you cultivated that like for for me like i think like when i was younger i i know as silly as it sounds you guys don't believe it but like you know i sound like i have a really great relationship with my parents right now but i didn't when i was younger and so it was sort of like you know i had to go out there to seek more you know because i wanted more and uh you know like uh, my parents weren't really around because they were busy working and like then like we didn't mm-hmm. agree on anything anyways so I always did what I wanted to do so it's sort of like when I was in those youth programs I had to go out there and seek it you know and that might have been just like looking at flyers or looking at things and I'm like hey I want to do this and I'm gonna do it and sometimes that meant like walking home because I didn't have a ride or bumming rides off or things like that you know because it's like you know um when I was definitely younger I definitely had to seek for that and look for that but you know like 
like just within like the past year, you know, like just being within, in my program, I actually got approached by, you know, a couple other Hmong ladies in my field who are very successful and they came, they're just like, That's hey, awesome. you know, if you want mm-hmm. me to mentor you, if you want me to be a part of your life or a part of your career, like, you know, like I'm going to be there for you. And I'm talking about like big people in my career, like in my field, you know, I'm just like, you know, I was just really stunned and like taken back. I'm like, you know, like mm-hmm. who would like seek me out to like mentor me, you know, like, so it's like, you know, so I mean, it does happen in different ways and you just have to like present yourself and Yes. And I guess it is sort of like if you're compatible <laughs> yeah. too, it's almost like dating, you know, because it's like, you know, there's other people in my program too, but I don't think they have like the same uh, opportunity as I did, you know, because maybe that just didn't mesh well because we all, we've all seen and met these same people, but I don't think they were given these opportunities like I was. So it's sort of like, you know, let me just be your authentic self and maybe you do form organic mentorship relationships or, you know, maybe they come to seek you because they really want the best for you. And like, you know, that's what like someone else said when they came to me, they're like, oh, I see a younger me and I wanted, this is what I needed back then I didn't have, but I'm at this position so I can give that to you. And, you know, I felt really like, you know, just humbled and blessed Mm -hmm. and be like, hey, you know what I mean? Like, it's good to make these connections, you know, like just just go with it and and that's just something also like just being like when you become in that position and you're successful and you can mentor someone else like yep, yes. do it you know i mean like pulling someone else up right right like do it and that's the beautiful thing you know i know my my partner tong was like you have so many people who come to you for support like you have so many mentees right. and I don't have any, but I'm like, well, I don't, I don't, first of all, I don't really consider them as mentees. Like I support them and they come to me. I'm willing to talk and share resources, but I think that's always been mean though. Like I, I don't, I don't go around being like, oh, I'm a mentor to X, Y, and Z people. It's just like, I want you to make the best decision for yourself. I want more for you. I I try, you know, I think at this point in my life, I try to not project what I want for people onto them Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, I want them to be happy and have autonomy Mm -hmm. over the decisions that they make for themselves so I've always been a proponent of like I'm going to share all of these resources and programs that I've been a part of or have received Mm -hmm. with you and then if you want to apply you apply if you want support applying I'll help you I'll help you edit your essays read your essays all of that stuff right so for me like I think that's one way that I you know one way that I've tried to uplift my women or just women in general in yep. terms of supporting the professional growth. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's so important. And I also like always encourage these, um, these people who come to me to like continue to build the networks and to ask questions and to ask for help, because that's how you, that's how you advance in your yeah. life, right? Like by asking for help. And I used to be so afraid to ask for mm-hmm. help. I used to be so afraid to be like, oh, like I actually need help. Can you help me? Right. So at this point yeah. in my life, I'm like, you know, you have to have a sense of vulnerability and just be like, I I want some advice. I want some support. But that doesn't mean that you have to take everything that they're saying and do what they're telling you to do. At the end of the day, it's feedback and that's for you to decide how you want to implement that feedback. That's so important, Manya. I totally, totally agree. I'm so glad you brought that up. Um especially the the giving feedback but then being the person who make the decisions and yeah like, I, I feel like most of our mentors are like sounding boards for us right like yes yes yeah. that's the, yeah. Yeah, that's the right word mm-hmm. yeah. they're not telling us what to what to do and I truly believe in self-determination you know like at the end of the day you make these these decisions for yourself and you have to live with them so 
to me, I'm like, that's, that's the key word. And I, and I try to live through that, you know, up to it Absolutely. in my life. You're so good, Minya. I just, <laughs> no, but I'm saying like having a little sister, I think makes it really hard to be like, I won't tell you what to do. Oh, I won't yeah. judge you. you I know. know. Like all that. So I know. And, I, and I'm known to be like really judgmental. I'm like, you know, I'm trying, I'm not perfect. <laughs> I'm trying to be a better person. And, you know, like back in the day, I would be like, man, you can't, you shouldn't have kids at such a young age. Right. But now I'm like, you know what, if that's what you want to do, then I will support that as long as you're making yeah. this decision for yourself and you're not forced to do it by other people like your partner or your in-laws or whatever, right? Like, if this is what you want to do, I will support you. But yeah. I still have a long way to go, just like our yeah. parents, just right? Like, <laughs> yeah, like all of us. I mean, there's always room for growth, I mean, for anybody, you know, so. Yes. Yeah. Don't always knock yourself out. So maybe then as we wrap up this conversation, we've talked about our mentors and sponsors. We've talked about our experiences that really helped us become the woman that we are. You know, we've talked about our role models. In culmination of all of that, is there one idea, one way to be among women, y'all? Or is there one word that you would use to describe like what it means to be among women? That's a good question. I've been thinking about it the whole time. I know, me too. Um, <laughs> I think my word is indomitable. I like that word a lot because it's nice and long. Um, but also because I was thinking like, I was thinking, oh, like endurance, right? But also like, I don't like that because, you know, we always tell Hmong women to una and like to and to endure to endure yeah. right and i think in some ways like that is that's like a, a big burden like that's a big weight but i think Hmong women are so incredibly strong like they are the ones who like our mothers aunties grandmas survived war and like have carried our our lineage our history our culture through war um and they're mm-hmm. still like supporting us in like this you know strange new foreign land in the world that like they don't understand but they're trying their best right like monica said you know our our all of our matriarchs are like trying their best and you know even though like they don't know like maybe specifically how to help us right like they always want the best for us mm-hmm. katie um i have one i actually was having a hard time thinking about this before we started recording but um listen to the conversations and just like reflecting i think my one word would be hopeful mm-hmm. as you know, this like com- this circle you know like we started from something and then we're all on our way and hopefully i'm hopeful about you know like the next generation being better even for myself maybe to give back more and to set that foundation for someone else and touch their lives so i'm hopeful mm-hmm. that's right to be a mom woman in one word, I would say, you know, being a trailblazer. I think mm. that mom women have contributed a lot to society and history. And yes. sometimes you have to be the first to do something. Mm. And sometimes, you know, you have people who have gone through that experience and you can look up to them. But I feel like you are, you know, being a trailblazer in your own ways, in your own path at your own time. So that would be my word. I think for me, the word that always comes back is resilient and Mm -hmm. i know it's similar to like enduring like what you were saying liz but i think resilient is just so encompassing of among women's strengths abilities and just the power that we have so if it's not resilient my other word would just be powerful because i want and and firmly believe that like Hmong women are just so powerful right in their own right and they have if they're given the opportunities, you know, and, and the like ability to, they just have so much power to change their lives and to change our communities. But I think resilience or resilient is just really encompassing of 
all yep. that Hmong women have done and have achieved and just all that we will achieve and, and, and you know, accomplish. Um, we're just resilient beings. And I hope that other Hmong girls and women see that in themselves and in others and can, you know, really um, take the time to pull others up and to, you know, pay it forward. Yeah. Well said. Awesome. So, all right. Thanks everyone for listening. Uh, we hope that you've been able to take away, you know, what it means um, either to be a Hmong woman for yourself or, or to help uplift, you know, Hmong girls and women in your life and really just, you know, take the time to celebrate all the Hmong women and girls and, and all, all of them in your lives. Um, Comment yes. below on who your role models or mentors yes. or sponsors are. Share, Share stories. your stories. Yes. Yeah. And also, right, what, what does it mean to you guys to be Hmong women? Right. And just remember this month and every other day that you're all not your average mind. Yes. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yes. Okay. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Thank Bye. Bye.